Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead where Governor Hogan of Maryland has issued a lockdown order and we are in lockdown. Yes, I haven't left the house in, uh, it's been, I think, like February, March. (laughs) I don't think I've left the house in like two or three months because before we had, um, before we went on lockdown, my kids got strep throat three times in a row. It was was crazy. They just, we couldn't get rid of it. So we were stuck in the house then to not spread strep throat. And then as soon as we started getting better from strep throat, then we were quarantined. So I I don't think I've left the house since March, which is, Pete's been the one to, like... Yeah, I've been off of work for several weeks now, too. Right. So... But I mean, you're the one to... We're not supposed to go anywhere except for, like, the necessities. So Pete's been the one who's gone out a couple times for that. And I just... I just haven't left the house. (laughs) Yeah, so this is crazy. Obviously, it's a horrible, horrible time for most people uh, in isolation Mm -hmm. in their in their houses and with their kids and having to do homeschool that you know is not normal for them and people getting sick and medical people being overworked. There's you know our hearts go out to all the people who are suffering and and there seems to be an incredible amount of anxiety out there. Yeah, people who have lost loved ones. It's just I mean there's just. There's real suffering in this time, for sure. Sure, sure. But so far, we've been spared of all of that, and we've been able to have what has absolutely been a blissful time here on our homestead without having to go anywhere or do anything. And it's crazy because this is basically what our life is set up for. Yeah, and it's to me, so most people are feeling really isolated, and for the first time, I'm feeling like very less isolated because Pete is home with me, and I'm just like, I would be... I would be such a better person if you were home with me all the time. <laughs> it's just so great. I love, love, love having Peter home. So yeah. it's it's so it's it's just so it's hard because there are people who are like Pete said suffering and have lost jobs and just just horrible things. So it's we know this is a really sad time, but I'm just trying to also enjoy having Peter home with me for this time and helping the kids with their math. Oh my gracious, <laughs> we have learned. Peter is the math teacher. I should not be teaching math. It has been so wonderful having Pete do math yeah, with our oldest. It's been good. It's been a lot of fun to, <laughs> I hate to, math. to become a teacher more often. Fourth grade is my, that's, third grade is probably my math, my math level, <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. And I have, I keep a running to-do list just because if I get it out of my brain onto a list for some reason, that helps me not to think about it too often. And I've been working, I think I've got like 25 things off of the to-do list since I've been home without working particularly hard. I haven't, I haven't been really pushing that, that hard. No, and, you uh, are like, Peter, I can't, he works so fast and so hard. He won't even like stop to eat. I mean, you think I send one of the kids to fetch me water now and then. <laughs> you think that you think you're not working hard, but he makes me feel like a lazy bum. Like when he's home, I'm just like, well, I'm very lazy because I don't feel like working this long. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I'm I'm doing things I thought I would never get done. I put them on the to do list just to be there, and I never thought they would actually happen, and they've been happening. So that's been a lot of fun too. Yeah. So this podcast, we're just going to talk about. I mean, the quarantine happened at a great time for us because it's spring. So. Um, Spring is when, in, when you're homesteading, I feel like spring is when you do most of your work. You can't, I mean, winter, you can't really do much because it's winter. Um, summer, it's, 
everything's kind of done. It's growing. It's yeah. hot, and it's. Um, I lose all of my strength when it goes above ninety degrees. Right, but but everything's in the ground. I mean, everything's growing. There's not much more to do in summer except for right. to like reap your harvest and everything mow the grass um and then fall that's when you're wrapping it up that's when you're like yeah. you're just picking your your harvest and then things are starting to slowly you know die off for yeah the spring is definitely the busiest season no right. question about that so yeah pete's just been working so hard but we're going to talk about what we're what we're doing um this spring while pete's home we're definitely doing more than we ever have done so um, yeah so the first thing is we had several I don't know, a month ago, ordered chicks. And we, we're going to redo our flock this year. They're getting kind of old and not laying eggs nearly as much. So we're redoing our flock. So that was one of our things. We had to go out to the, I had to go out to the post office to pick up the chicks there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we got, we got brand new chicks and we decided this year for the first time to do ducks. Yes. Well, that was kind of an accident, the ducks. Well, what happened was we really, really, really wanted to do meat birds because we felt like you know, now is the time to to right. raise our own. We have meat extra birds. time, so we figured that would be fun to try. Yeah, and it was crazy. The meat. Apparently, birds, everyone else in the world thinks that as well because we, we couldn't get any. We could not get meat birds anywhere. There was one um, feed store that you know the feeds the pet feed stores are still open and everything. So there was a feed store that they were going to have all these meat birds delivered, and you have to get they open at eight o'clock. So I called at like eight fifteen or eight thirty. And they were like, nope, they're all gone. We had a line out the door, and people were just having to take numbers. They were there an hour early. And the ones that we buy online, they don't have any, so we couldn't do the meat birds. But they had ducks. So Pete and I, we are not, we are just kind of, we just make decisions pretty quickly. We don't, we don't stop and we don't. We just want to dive in. That's just always how we've done everything. We just want to dive right in. So we were sitting over coffee, and we were just like... And we already do chicken, so it's not yeah. a stretch to do a different kind of bird. Right, but we were just sitting over coffee, and we were like, well, we can't do meat birds. Let's get some ducks. <laughs> yeah, the kids were very into that as well. And so we got ducks. And yeah, we just got four of them mm-hmm. kind of to try out and see how it goes, and it's been... It's been hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, a chick is really cute. A duck acts really cute. Oh, so. my gosh. I, you guys, I am loving the ducks. We are we are in love with the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first thing is, you know, we have, we have a big pool that will fill up with water. And, you know, it's outside and everything. But uh, we, we let the ducks go swimming, you know, every day or every other day. And they are the cutest thing. They dive underwater and swim all around the pool. And, yeah. Uh, it's like watching those little puffins. So I never have seen a duck swim because the only time I've seen a duck is at like a murky pond. I had never, no idea that they <laughs> swim like fish. They're like yeah. those little puffins at the aquarium, if you've ever seen them. So we have this little pool in our front yard. And basically the kids, we let them each have a duck and they will carry the duck outside, and then they walk up to the pool, which is adorable. I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But we all kind of sit around the pool, and it's just so relaxing. We don't have a pond. We don't have any water nearby. So we just all sit around this little pool and watch them swim, and it's just so cute. It's adorable. So Joel Salatin has this idea that he articulates really well, which um, you can describe it in one of his books. It's called The Glorious Pigness of the Pig. And there's something about watching an animal when it's doing its nature. Like, it's the thing that it is created for. Like, you mm-hmm. see a, a cow just grazing on a hillside, and there's something beautiful about it. It's right. like, that cow is doing what a cow should be doing. It's grazing on a hillside. And there's something about that with the ducks. You just you watch them in water and these little ducklings, and it's like, 
they are doing what they were born to do. <laughs> yeah, and and the most the cute thing too, they um, they they really like bonded to us right away. Or I don't know, I don't think you don't really talk about birds as bonding, really. But I don't know. I guess they did to to an extent, right? Yeah. Well, Not what like I mean, dog, but yeah, right. And what I mean by that is, um, when the boys will take them outside to the yard, and then when the boys walk somewhere, the ducks follow in a little line, and it's so <laughs> it's cute. cute. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. so adorable. So they just they just waddle behind them in a line and go wherever they go, and. So we usually just put them outside, and then they walk over to the pool, and then the boys put them in, and then we just kind of watch them swim. And um, and also, the boys will be, like, playing cards upstairs. We've been playing a lot of cards, and um, the boys will just keep a duck in their lap. And Right. Well, they had to learn keep a duck in their lap on top of a paper towel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was like, that's that, Otherwise, it goes badly. Yeah, they do need something to... Right, so that's <laughs> the thing, right? Buyer beware. We didn't know this. Now we do, is that... Ducks are ducklings in a in a little you know our little setup that we have inside for them as little ducklings are disgusting. Yeah, they're so gross. Oh my gosh! They so we don't are keep so, a so pool gross. in there with them because you know just the normal chick water and they have to dip their beak in there and I guess they blow stuff out, but they take the water and just fling it everywhere. Yeah, they're they're pretty gross. <laughs> right. So you know, twenty four hours into this duckling experiment it was like this thing stinks i've never had it yeah because we've we've done chicks we're keeping the ducks with the chicks right and um the chicks are relatively clean you just clean it out every once in a while but we have to clean it up every day with these ducks yeah i put the water on top of it's a fairly large you know area but i put the water on top of a, a plastic bin cover so that when they fling it out that catches most of it and that made it better and easier to clean out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're, they're, I cannot wait to get them outside. Right, because they're spraying the water everywhere. And so then yeah. you get these, like, wood, whatever they're, wood shavings or that they're on. Yeah, yeah, and the pine shavings. The pine shavings, and then it's all getting wet and smelly. So that's a lot. Right. I'm really glad Pete's home for that because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this every day. By yeah, myself. and it'll be fine once we get them outside because, you know, we have a fairly large chicken run, and that's where they'll start mm-hmm. uh, with, with the chickens, and I can just keep the water outside, and they'll fling it onto the wood chips, and everything right. will be happy. Right. We did, like, 10 minutes of research before we bought the ducks, and what we found is you don't need, like, a pond. You don't need a big water source for them. They just want to be able to really get their heads in the water and I mean it's nice to watch them swim but we'll probably what we'll do is in our chicken run put a big like what do you call it not a baby pool because that would look kind of a tub that that you would get for for cattle to you know or horses to drink out right yeah that size a little water tub and then they can just kind of sit in it splash around in it and then we told the boys they have to refill it every day right so um so yeah we really like the ducks, but um, we were excited for them to go outside because they stink. Oh, the other funny thing was, so we got the ducks maybe two days before the chicks came in the mail, and we have this big, you know, a brooder that you would keep your chicks in, and so we put the chicks in, and of course there's always, when you mix birds, even if it's two days, there's always like some panic and you know, a little bit of, we had to kind of break up a few little pecking fights. (laughs) Um, But they um, bonded pretty quickly, and it's so funny because the ducks are a lot bigger than the chicks. They're like twice the size of the chicks, which is way more chill. Yeah. And the chicks just climb all over them and just snuggle up to them. And then we think that the chicks think that the ducks are their mothers because whenever we take the ducks out to play outside, the chicks go crazy. They just freak out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just chirping so loudly. It's really cute. Um, 
it's but fun. they're straight run, and we're only keeping them if they're egg layers. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how many ducks we end up with. I'm um, nervous because the boys all have a duck that they. Yeah, we warned them heavily, but reality might be harder than right. What they we were don't expecting. want a male. We don't want any male ducks because apparently they're dangerous to keep with chickens. Um, so and it's just a tiny little flock. So. Yeah. So if we um, have a male, that'll we got a dual purpose duck. So. Um, they are they lay good uh, eggs and then they eggs. also are meat birds so we mm. shall see we shall see um, yeah yeah so um, I got an email I, I'm on the email list for Rain Tree Nursery and I got an email from them that their website had crashed and and mm-hmm. they're basically running out of everything and Amazing. we saw Baker Creek Seeds had to shut down their website for a day they're still shipping stuff but. Um, even burpee seeds was out of like tons and tons of stuff. So people are gardening. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, wow, everybody's doing it this year. And all of a sudden, everybody's stuck at home, and See everybody wants gardens. to garden, and everybody wants to plant trees, and yeah. and have meat birds and everything else. So fortunately, we've been gearing up for this for a number of years oh, now, I know. and so we've been entering into it with a whole new level that we've been able to. But I feel like we're set up. I mean. We don't want these things to happen, but oh, no. and we and we don't we're not even doing it because we're like preppers or we're afraid of catastrophes. That's not why we're homesteading. We love it just for the the whole. We just love the whole purpose of it. But when something like this happens, it makes us realize how vulnerable as a people we are mm-hmm. because yeah, we're also um, we're dependent on our jobs, we're dependent on our schools, we're dependent on our grocery stores, and we don't realize that. Really, our systems are fragile. Yeah, they are. No, that that's really. I had this idea a few years ago. Like we are kind of preppers in in a way. Um, I think that that word maybe carries a lot of connotation for people. A, a number of years ago, there was a show called Doomsday Preppers. I never saw it, but you know, picture people in bunkers and and trying to be completely independent and. As humans, we don't think we ever should be completely independent. I mean, we're, we're meant to be in community with each other um, to some extent or another. But here in, in America, quite often people are completely dependent upon these fragile systems that we live in. And a number of years ago, I just was thinking about that and said, this doesn't seem like a good idea. Like if you could picture any person from any other time period in the world and they came to your house and you were going into winter and you only had three days worth of food in the house, they would think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you're not prepared for, for, for any kind of independence. And, and there was this idea maybe um, that as a Christian, I should totally trust in God, which is true, but that I don't need to have anxiety about anything, which is also true. But somehow that translates into I won't be prepared for any difficult thing to happen in my life. And that is totally not the idea there. So a number of years ago, we started kind of building things up so that we could be prepared for anything. And then when you know situations like this happen, it becomes a much more peaceful time. You don't have to worry about where are a number of different things coming from. <laughs> Except for it's eye-opening to us that toilet paper could be an issue. Yeah, of all the things, <laughs> it didn't occur to me to prepare for toilet paper, yeah. which would be super easy because it stores forever. But <laughs> we were down to like a couple rolls when when all of this happened. <laughs> Fortunately, I got to the store just in time and was able to pick up some. So you weren't prepared for anything. No, no. <laughs> actually, prepared for toilet paper. Yeah, storage. going through, there's, there's a whole <laughs> list of things when they become available that I think I'm going to keep around. Like, But you know. hold on, if you, fo- if you really follow like the crunchy community, like the really natural community, they do something called family cloth 
which we have never. Oh uh, yeah, we're not we're not at that level. <laughs> well, you were like, then we run out of laundry ship. I mean, laundry ship is another thing we've had to go to the store to get. Right, like uh, so we. I don't know how long we would be before we would take family cloth down to the reservoir. I mean, there are some. <laughs> there are some. There are some people that are so far beyond us, you know, that they can make their own laundry soap. And yeah. I think I tried to make my own laundry soap for a time, but it, like, was destroying our clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't done the laundry soap yet. Oh. Yeah, I made my own shampoo that destroyed my hair. Yeah. I made my own laundry soap. So there's some things that I'm not... Right. We're not... And we've said this from the beginning, like, we are not 100% all natural. That would be so stressful and overwhelming if we had to present that to the world and keep up with that no I, way no way and we're, we're but we put our money where our mouth is in terms of we're constantly trying to get better and to be more sustainable or mm-hmm. regenerative and so we feel like if we're always trying to move in that direction and and fighting for it a bit then that you know we don't have to be perfect we live in a world that's very very imperfect and mm-hmm. toxic in all kinds of ways so mm-hmm. it's just about having the conversation and, and doing the fight but we woke up one morning. I might have mentioned this in one of the other episodes, and our well pump was broken. And I have cows, and all of a sudden, I don't have water for my cows. And sure, I could go, you know, go to the store and buy gallons of water. That would be ridiculous. Or I could walk down to the reservoir, and that would take forever to haul back water. So we decided we need a redundant water supply, and that's a really smart idea. And that's not about being anxious. It's just that there's a number of different things that could cause water to not be there. And we want water because we have cattle and I want to be good to them. So we got a a hand well pump that uh, goes down the same well that our our normal water comes from, but you can pump it up from underground if need be and have a manual way to get water. I would love to have a third redundant water supply. Um, I've got some ideas about that, but when it comes to... Why do you need a third one? Well, in case case the, the well dries up. Oh my goodness! Or the hand well that. pump breaks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So you want to like <laughs> dig a new well or something? No, no. We have. There's actually in, in the back of our property. I don't know if you know this. There's a shallow well that was dug there. Yeah. You don't want to drink that for people, but you could filter it or give it to livestock. Is fine. Right. So you can get a hand pump on that, which is much easier than the one that has to go 100 feet underground. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah, that would be an interesting idea. But oh, I haven't told you my idea. I want to get an outhouse. Yeah, that'd be great. Really? Are you yeah. joking? No. I was thinking of it for like events and stuff. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Because we have, because we are on septic, so when yeah. we have a big, if we have a big event, we have to get porta potties. Yeah, we watched some episodes of Alaska, the the Last Frontier, Final Frontier, or something years ago, and it was funny because they all use outhouses, and one of them was talking about it one day, and he's like. Can you believe that normal people go to the bathroom in their house? That's yeah, they were disgusting. like, we don't want to go to the bathroom in our house. We want to go out. No, I don't want an outhouse for us. I want an outhouse for like when we have gatherings. Yeah, big parties some, and stuff. Of some kind. Yeah, that would be good. Could you build that? Yeah, you can build anything. Mm-hmm. Just priorities. It's all about priorities. But if I should see us over coffee. I'm always coming up with ideas, and then Pete makes them happen, and I'm like, yeah, I could never do this. She gets this look in her eye. Could you do that? And be like, I'll never say no. <laughs> 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 Having him home is just like great. I have my Kristen is what you call daughter. a hand talker. She always talks with her hands and makes lots of gestures. I think it's the most adorable thing in the world. <laughs> but when you picture her talking, you don't. She doesn't just you know keep her hands down. And she's she's got this look in her eye and she's always moving her hands. <laughs> anyway, I gotta yeah. like describe it when I trying for you to build and do it with. My One hands. of our kids has the same thing, so that's pretty cute. Um, Which one? I don't even Nathan. notice. Oh, oh yeah. He's a hand talker. Hmm. 
I didn't really know I did it. So anyway, when it comes to food or water or, you know, other essentials, um, I think it's really good to be somewhat prepared not go to the bunker level or pretend that we're ever going to be totally self-sufficient because I don't particularly want to be. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. But when we go through hard times, we can get through it. Right. So let's see. We're doing chicks and ducks. Oh, cattle, our, our cow training. That's been so fun. Right. So we said we would follow up on training our little calf. She's getting big now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's probably every bit of oh, four or 500 pounds. And she's the cutest, sweetest thing. Yes, she is. So we had talked before how we bring her into the milking stall. It's a 10 by 10 area every morning with Carmela, our, our dairy cow, when I go to milk her. We'll probably keep doing that all the way until we're going to, you know, Carmela will go to the butcher and Autumn will become the new dairy cow and mm-hmm. she'll just be in cow. Cows are very habitual. They just love to do the same thing and expect the same thing every day. So once you get them in a routine, um, most things are a piece of cake. But uh, cows don't kick backwards like a horse. Uh, for you know, Hopefully they don't usually kick at all. But um, you can always stand right behind a cow and it makes them uncomfortable. They They want to move forward if you're behind them. And you don't have to worry about it. You're totally safe behind the cow. But they do kick to the side. I almost died, and I'm <laughs> right. still traumatized by it. I think I've, yeah. I'm traumatized by that. I almost, yeah. that was I almost bad. died when she kicked our cow, Carmela. I was trying to spray her with vinegar to help her with her fly situation. She didn't know what you were doing. And I did, oh, my gosh. And literally, she just kicked, and there was a hoof. You saw it. It yeah. was like... It was scary. A couple inches from my face. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, I can't believe that just happened. So, yes, cows can kick. Right. I am a star. And, again, that's why we want to raise Autumn from birth to love us so that she's completely docile. But mm-hmm. So I, I, I walk behind them into the milking stall, and then, and then I, put, um, I put her on a lead and then kind of just keep her there. So she, you know, right from early days was just getting used to being on that lead, and she, you know, she hated it first. But she realized, you know, she couldn't pull the wall over. And so eventually she learned that, you know, she just stays there and it's okay and she's not going to get hurt and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I guess it started when she was like five months old or so. No, we did it. We did it way earlier than that. Four months. We started tying her up really. No, I mean taking her out on the lead. Oh, taking her on the lead that you just started doing that like a month ago. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after I'm, I'm done milking Carmela, I take the lead off and this was really hard for two days. That was it. Two days. And I would pull her with difficulty because she's, you know, she's getting very big. And the way you do it is I'd have to come up kind of next to her while keeping tension with one end and kind of pat her on the butt. And she didn't want to be patted on the butt, and then she would move forward. And uh, I would lead her over to a, a different area and give her just a small amount of grain. So even a grass-fed animal, you can, you can absolutely give them grain, a small amount of grain to help train them. It's like giving a treat to a dog or something like that. And so give her a small amount of grain. And two days in, she realized that I was leading her to a small amount of grain, and mm-hmm. she you know, wanted that very badly. Mm-hmm. So after two days, I had to tug on her a little bit for like two more days, and then she just follows, around, follows right behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can lead her across one of the pastures and, and, and do that. And it's so... It's so, really cute, so cute watching her walk on this lead. But anybody who has a dog knows you have to train a dog to walk on a leash. But imagine a huge, several hundred pound cow. Yeah. But um, we just really... Our goal is to have a really gentle, docile dairy cow, which our current dairy cow is not at all. But, you know, she was never broken or anything like that. And so... Um, 
so so autumn wears a halter at all times and you just we watched like several videos on it the mm-hmm. stages of um just keeping them tied up learning to respect the lead mm-hmm. then walking to food or a treat um and then also learning to just kind of stand for several hours a lot of people who are training cows keep them tied up for like all day but we don't think that's necessary we're not showing her she's not right. a show cow or something so we leave her tied up for maybe just what an hour or two yeah mm-hmm. and um we make sure that we touch her a lot we are just all over her the boys with peter there right next to him because it could be dangerous the boys kind of climb on her back and right. um we're just feeding her from our hands um bringing her we were the boys were bringing her grass yeah. we had there was fresh grass on the other side of the fence yeah and she like loved that oh yeah um so our old our other our beef cow Toby, who went to the butcher uh, last year, we never really um, touched him, so he was always terrified of us. Like he, they would come up to the fence, and he wouldn't eat from our hands. Mm-hmm. He would just run away from us all the time. And we just realized it takes it takes a lot of work to get a cow to be your friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're not a farm. We're not raising animals for you know to to live off of. We just have a small amount here, and so it's incredibly important to us that we figure out how to make our homestead peaceful. Mm-hmm. Like it, it needs to be peaceful and safe, kid friendly, um, and kid friendly. So anyway, having having a dairy cow that is kind of <laughs> as docile as maybe a dog or something like that is would be way more peaceful than what we've had. So we're we're working hard to make that happen. Right. Yeah. Peace. Uh, that's a big big thing to us is having a kid friendly homestead and we just got rid of our roosters we've always had roosters because Mm -hmm. it felt like the right thing they're they they're like they crow they're beautiful they protect the hens but we just kind of realized right we'd rather have our kids feel safe collecting eggs and have a rooster so and we you know some people really need to protect their hens we don't we've got the dogs we've got the dogs to keep away raccoons and foxes and things like that Mm -hmm. and then it's the coolest thing we've got um a set of vultures turkey vultures that live somewhere nearby i don't i don't know where they live it's probably in the in the woods somewhere but they're close enough that they hang out in the tops of the trees and every once in a while on one of the neighbor's roofs i don't i don't know if they know that or not um they hang out up there and anytime a hawk comes near they chase it off immediately like they will not let hawks hang out around here mm. and then if the turkey vultures come close to the house or, or the crows, we've got a, a number of mockingbirds that live in the yard, and they chase them off. Which are terrifying. I had a mockingbird chase me, <laughs> and you, I had no idea. You know in the book To Kill a Mockingbird, they act yeah. like the mockingbirds are so innocent. They're terrifying. It came they're terrifying. Attacking but when they're I was amazing. walking in the orchard. They keep the crows and the turkey vultures off of our property, and those keep the hawks off of the surrounding area. So anyway, it's best-case scenario for keeping chickens because we don't have to worry about them free-ranging. Right. At least for you know hawk attacks, and then we have the dogs for the other animals. But yeah. but yeah, I was walking in the orchard and I was like, huh, that bird looks like it's flying right at me. And then I was like, <laughs> it is, it's coming toward yeah. me. They're really protective Nothing of their young. Nothing messes with the with a mockingbird that I can see. At least not around here. Yeah. So right. So anyway, we we were we were thinking one day, why do we have these roosters? Like they're super aggressive, and the kids, you know, our five year old doesn't want to go in to chicken coop. So <laughs> sorry. Remember when you wanted me to help you? Get that rooster in. Do you remember that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I ran away. It was hilarious. 
one of the roosters got out or whatever. It was free range and we needed it to get back. For some reason. I don't remember why. I forget why, but it started running right at Kristen and she freaked out. I just took off because Pete's like, you help me. You stand here. And then I just like, no way. And I just took off sprinting yeah. away from the They're roosters. crazy. They got these like, you know, basically where the thumb of a bird would be. It's It's like... It's a solid spike, you know, like 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 a two inch spike, and they they come feet first, and they can do some damage with it. I'm so not anyway. a helpful homesteader. I'm like, I don't want to get hurt. I'm yeah. in the way. No, you're super helpful, but you don't like aggressive animals. I think would would be how I, I put my own it. safety above all homesteading <laughs> ventures. The rooster came at me once, and I kicked it. That sounds bad, but I you know I didn't hurt it, but it never ran at me again. So. Um, I think you have to be pretty tough on them if you want them to be real docile. And anyway, there was just no point to us having them anymore, so they went into the freezer. And now I'm really happy the boys, <clears throat> I don't have to worry. If my five-year-old's getting eggs, before I'd be like, uh, a big kid, go with him and watch his back and bring a right. weapon. And now I'm like, oh, just go down yeah. down to the to the coop. Um, yeah. So let's see. We did our birds, our cows. Oh, the gardens yeah. are looking uh, awesome. I've always wanted to spend this much time in the garden. I never have. I put some pictures now. on Instagram. Yeah. We're getting way ahead of things this year, which is so nice to be prepared. But we got all the fertilizer from the compost from the chickens and, and the cows, got that into the gardens and more wood chips. And we're finally done after five years expanding the garden. Yeah, our <laughs> gardens are huge. Well, we've been expanding them. And I think it's now at the size that we're going to keep What it. do you think it is, like an acre? No, not a whole, like maybe three quarters of it? Yeah, it's probably close to three quarters of an acre total. It's in a pasture that was an acre pasture, right? The, the total pasture is 1.7 acres. What? Oh, my gosh. It's if you're curious acres. about acreage, there's... Uh, you can just look up acreage calculator online and they, you know you can zoom in on a map and, and calculate polygons and stuff and figure out what acreage is on your property. So that's kind of neat. So it's a pasture that's 1.7, but I would say half of it we're leaving to the cows, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's probably, yeah. Yeah, whatever. it's probably three quarters of an acre right. or so of, of growing space. Yeah, and it's funny because if you remember from earlier podcasts, Pete kind of was doing his orchard thing. Um, that's in that pasture with the, that's the, the three quarters of an acre. And then yeah. I was going to take this backyard area and make like an herb garden, kitchen garden. And his gardens are just so much better than mine. So I, <laughs> and I, but he needs my help with weeding. And I realized, okay, yeah. this garden has gotten so huge. When we moved here, that garden was very small. Yeah. So everything was manageable. But now I took out a lot of my gardens, um, moved some of the good plants over to Pete's Right. To the orchard. And, and now we I'm, wanted a bunch of herbs. But now in the it's orchard, not your so. orchard anymore. Oh, I'm it taking, definitely is. I'm taking it over too. Yeah. Um, but we're growing <laughs> all of our vegetables. And so we have three big plots. One is just going to be totally sun, no trees, all four annuals. Big plots. Four big plots. Okay, yeah, four big plots total. One is all vegetables, going to be all vegetables. The other three have fruit trees in them, but we grow things in between the fruit trees. I don't know. We're like growing. This is, it's just, we're, I don't know what we're doing. It's yeah. crazy the amount of stuff we're growing. Yeah. It's um, really getting beautiful too. Yeah. So. But the funny thing was I felt, I really felt inspired to do my seeds early this year before I knew anything about the coronavirus or anything. I did them, I started them early March and my plants are so ginormous. I've got cucumbers, tomato. I'm looking at them right now. I've got like 40 tomatoes. I've got um, cucumbers, we did eggplants, yeah. peppers, um, yeah. oh, and my zucchini, this is funny. So I don't know if there's a point to planting a zucchini 
you March know, ahead 1st. of time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no sense, but the end of winter hits and you just want to, you want yeah. stuff to grow so bad that, that you start planting things. So Kristen planted a couple of zucchinis that we then had to transfer to like big pots, like Trees, tree pots. Tree pots because they're getting flowers. <laughs> it's, it's April and they're getting flowers. I can't plant them in the ground till after the last Maryland frost, which is mid-May because we're still, we got a frost the other night. So I can't. I'm like lugging these huge pots in and outside because I have to bring them yeah, in at night, but they have funny. flowers on them. And I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah. I really want I an early know. zucchini. I don't even know if we're going to be able to. They're so big. I don't know if we're going to be able to transplant them without injuring them. Yeah. We might just have to leave them in these huge pots and let them put zucchini on on the pot. Yeah, we can transplant them. We'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah, you can transplant a tree, so I guess you can transplant <laughs> this. But it's just so funny because we're going to be eating zucchini in May. Um, but it's definitely more of a, I usually get it way later in the season. I just really yeah. wanted early crops. Yeah. But my um, kales and spinaches and lettuce look so great. Um, very, very exciting. I did. Yeah. I started those indoors. But every year, I don't want... I direct so, like mid-March. But then I was starting them indoors late February. Mm-hmm. And the transplant shock... So the ones that I started indoors and I planted... They go through a transplant shock where they just kind of don't grow for a little while. Yeah. They're just not that much bigger than yeah. the ones I just put directly in the ground. So mm-hmm. every year I have to I have to remind myself, just, just put it right in the ground and you'll save yourself work and you're not going to be that far behind. Right. Um, right. But we just have so many. We had our first garden salad last night and yeah. here we are in April. Yeah. It was so it was cool. really good. So one of the other things that we're set up for really nicely right now in the middle of a quarantine is homeschooling. And I know that that is probably a massive challenge right now for anybody who's not set up for it and trying to figure out all of a sudden what to do with all of the time and what to do, you know, how to teach your kids and everything. It's probably very difficult. Yeah. My heart goes out to anyone who is homeschooling right now that isn't, that didn't begin like homeschooling. And I'm so sorry if anyone out there was like, I'd love to try homeschooling and see if I can do it. This is not try- this is not homeschooling. What is going on right now? It is not homeschooling for several reasons. Um, reason number one, what you're doing with people who are p- taking their kids out of school right now because of the quarantine and homeschooling, what I'm seeing is you still have your teachers teaching and you're kind of accountable to those teachers, which I think is really stressful because the beauty of homeschooling is I get to kind of make the education work for my kid, work for us. And there's so many different curriculums out there that you can, that are geared for different types of learners, but you're kind of the parent having to do what the schools are doing. You're not really being able to choose what, um, how you want to teach your kid, which is really, really hard. I've tried a lot of different curriculums, and I found, okay, this one works great for this kid, this one works great for that kid, and that's not what's happening. Um, you can also make homeschooling work for your family. I have I have a friend who um, their child is in private school, and they have to do a different like religion class for each kid, whereas with homeschooling, you would just do one religion class for all the kids and you would kind of talk more deeply to an older kid or, you know, a little bit more lower level to a younger kid, but you make it work for your family. So that's, that's not happening, which is right. really, really tough. And then right. some parents 
aren't set up for homeschooling, they work. And I don't understand how you can possibly, I don't understand how they're expecting people to work and teach their kids right now. That is beyond me. So I'm so sorry. Good luck with that. Also, we are set up, our lives are set up around homeschooling. So, you know, we bought a house with a lot of land. We have things to occupy the kids. If your life has been built around school, you don't have those same, you might not have the land. Maybe your money is going towards private school or, you know, you don't have the things to entertain your kids at home because you're used to doing school or sporting events and things like that. And your life is not built up, built around this. So uh, this is not homeschooling. It is really hard what you're doing. I can't imagine. And don't think, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm a terrible homeschool parent. I couldn't do what people, what I'm seeing yeah. My friends do. I, I could not do that. Right. Well, and, also being totally isolated. I mean, yes. as a homeschool mm-hmm. parent, you're not stuck on your property and only your property, mm-hmm. you know, seven mm-hmm. days a week. Mm-hmm. So it's way more isolating than homeschool actually would normally oh, yeah. be. Yeah. If you are homeschooling in normal circumstances, you could say, hey, today for science, we are going to the aquarium or we're going to meet up with another homeschool family for for other homeschool families for a gym or I don't know, you just have so many more options. So this is, this is crazy. This is, a, don't let this be your idea of what homeschooling is. Cause it's just not at all. Right. 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 So our prayers, not our thoughts and prayers, just our prayers <laughs> go out to everyone during this time. Um, I know it's really hard on everybody, but hang in there and um, we will be, having on Instagram lots of pictures this year, especially of the gardens. Kristen's going to be, she's been really good at at taking pictures. So we're going to document it as we go through the season for anybody who wants to see stuff. This will be um, hopefully a really good gardening year and we'll get a good harvest and uh, have lots of fun things there as well. So yes. And, and definitely trust in our prayers. Pete and I are praying our rosary and uh, masks online on Sundays. So just trust that we're praying for everyone's protection and, and health and safety and that we can come out of this quickly. Right. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.